The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast, the official podcast of the website, thecustardtv.com. Hello, I'm Luke, and I endeavour to be here for the majority of the podcast this week, whether I'm invited or not. Uh, the regulars are here, though, as well. Matt, hello. Hello. That was that Tuneful. was no singy songy, yes. And the ever reliable and less tonsillitis folks are down. Sarah's here too. Hello. Hello. It was more <laughs> Lionel Richie than Adele. I'm aware of that. Now I don't know whether to share this or not, but I had a dream that included Matt last night, and I have no idea why. For no reason I can fathom. You mm. or I, you know, in dreams, it's I don't see you, but I um, you're aware it's the person you yeah, know yeah. to be. Get on with it. You were in my kitchen cooking something, singing Culture Club's Do You Really Want to Hurt Me really <laughs> loud. And then we said, well, don't go home. We'll just record the podcast together in this room. And we did that. But oh. I had no idea what the Culture Club thing was. <laughs> it wasn't like playing in the background. You were Do just you know what I was cooking? Loudly. Like a tortilla or something, or, or a omelette, something like that. Okay, eggs, boy yeah, George. Yeah, you, you're doing it well. I don't. Nobody in the rest of the dream complained about it. it was, I, I was just struck by your desire to sing this Culture Club record that wasn't playing on the radio or anything. It was just you singing. Give me time. That one. God, that that was like being back in bed just then. Wow. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. We're talking ITV's Trigger Point with Vicky McClure and Adrian Lester. We're talking The Responder on the BBC with Martin Freeman. And we're talking, as we see it on Amazon and HBO slash Sky Atlantic's new drama, The Gilded Age, from Downton Abbey, uh, Julian Fellows. First of all, though, I wanted to talk to you about the fact that BBC Three is launching on the 1st of February officially, and the schedules have been released, and they're terrible. Oh, no! It starts with a launch party hosted by BBC Radio One, then there is a couple of episodes of Eating With My Ex and Drag Race UK versus The World. They're putting uh, Fleabag on at half past midnight. Uh, then on the uh, Saturday, it's football, some young offenders in this country. On the Thursday, 
there's um, some Killing Eve. And on the Friday the 4th, it is Eating With My Ex. And then from half past 7 till 11 at night, they're just uh, showing a lot of a documentary called Angels of the North. Maybe I'm living in my usual, you know, everybody's watching TV world, but... Clearly not, after some of the responses you've had to your... No, and that's the next thing I want to talk about. Yes, we're getting there, Matt. I've I've got the agenda. I will be watching uh, Drag Race UK versus the World, but I'm very much looking forward to that. You're you're welcome to have that view. It's not shared by everyone on the podcast, but you're welcome to have that view, and I don't take it I will. I will be the fabulous minority. I, okay. I, I've i got nothing against it. I've just never watched an episode of it, so I don't really have that much I investment. wouldn't start with this one, then. No. It's like having somebody from Switzerland on the podcast every week. <laughs> it really is. I was under the impression that they come out the gate with something like Starstruck or a new drama or something exciting to sort of say, you know, we've been gone but for a while, we're back, and they've decided says, not to do the that. The drag race is exciting to some people, just not you. All right, Switzerland. Um, <laughs> the, um... What you're saying is you hope they do something that would yes. appeal to you specifically, no, Luke. No, 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 no. I no, just I thought they'd come point. out of the gates with, with something. Yeah, because... I take Luke's point on this. I really thought that Starstruck would be day one because no, it's a yeah. programme that everyone is looking forward to seeing. I think yeah. Starstruck will be Valentine's Day again like it was last year. Uh... Quite possibly. So I just wonder whether we're going to get much traditional BBC drama BBC3 drama on that channel or not or whether they're always going to put it on the main BBC and the iPlayer they still seem a bit confused they're still talking about the responder this week which is five episodes four of which are airing Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday then one presumably on a Monday no no it's all... Wednesday oh really? It's I Monday, Tuesday that. then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Oh, that's baffling. But then it's all on the iPlayer anyway from yeah. Mondays. But I feel like they're breezing through everything so quickly. It's not just dramas. Um, me and my parents settled down to watch Digging for Britain, the archaeology <laughs> thing with Professor Alice of Roberts. Of course. And, and they did that over two or three nights a week whenever they felt like airing an episode. And it was just Very so strange awful. to me. Again, that's like prime BBC One. They just mucked about with it. And I, I do not know why. I, I just don't, don't understand. They even put Attenborough on the iPlayer, didn't they, last time, I think? Yeah. Robin sort of talks about it in his piece, which is uh, on the site now. It's a piece about something has got to give. We've had this licence fee freeze and what the BBC going to do. And his reasoning to a point about why they put everything on the iPlayer and now don't tell you that something's on at Sunday at nine and they just tell you it's straight on the iPlayer is that they're hoping that kids, and when I say kids, I don't mean young children but <laughs> teens and young adults will just see the the iPlayer in the same way that they do you know Netflix but I don't think it works and I think it's very confusing it'll no. be interesting to see what they do with Peaky Blinders yeah definitely if that all goes up on the iPlayer I think the thing is as well you all you know you mentioned it with with yellow jackets and something else as well that you are losing the the sort of the weekly narrative and I think in terms of something like the tourists, there'd be more people talking about that if it was wasn't all on the iPlayer. I don't begrudge them putting things on the iPlayer. I think it's more a case now we're getting these just dumped wherever we've got a space. I can understand a little bit why they did it with Rules of the Game. It was only four. It seemed like something they wanted to get rid of, but I think the Responder is something that, that was one of their 
bigger dramas that they have been promoting for a long while. It's got a big star. You're just getting rid of it in two weeks. And then, well, what are you going to put on, on next? And actually, if it's someone who's not watching it, you, you've then lost that viewer who would possibly watch something else on the Tuesday and something else the following Wednesday if you're flicking around the channels. I know not a lot of people do that anymore. Oh, I haven't watched the first episode of The Responder. I'm not someone who just pops on iPlayer. I'm just going to go to another channel rather than if you put it all on five consecutive Mondays, then mm. you'd have those other spaces free. genuinely don't understand the rationale. And I'm aware that the podcast is somewhat outdated because... Nobody is sitting down at nine o'clock necessarily to watch a drama. We're all watching things at a different speed. But it, it's, it's you do, Luke. Thing. I do. Oh, I certainly do. But I'm in the minority, and I only do that because I have a family life that eats at a certain time, watches TV at a certain time, and goes to bed and has to do the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. To be fair, when I was to... when I was living on my own, I was very much not. Yeah. What, well, what, you, you, know, you don't but... have to stick to a routine then. No. You can just do what you feel. But I just, it's that sort of confusion around it because I, I, it's interesting you brought up the tourist because I live in a TV bubble on social media and I have heard not, no conversation around that show, either weekly or otherwise. I've heard things about episode five from you and my sister who watched it on, but not the conversation that would have been had it been on weekly and people would have been guessing what was happening and all oh, did you I didn't see that happening with with Chloe out of line of duty coming you know turning yeah I like you know what what's good those articles you used to, and you still sort of got them got them last year with line of duty the yeah. what we what we know after episode yeah. three what you know these are the clues we've been given because that, that certainly is a drama that sort of has that conversation around yeah. it's something like Possibly something like the responder doesn't because it's it's no, much more no. sort of gritty. But when you've got like a a thriller, you want to have that conversation and and like you know for example I did because I enjoyed the first episode. I watched it all yeah. within a couple of days. I think the cliffhanger is now serving a new purpose, isn't it? The cliffhanger used to be grab you for next week, start your theories online or in websites or whatever, and then tune in at nine the following week to see what happens. Now the cliffhanger's purpose is okay, I want to see how that resolves. I'll just stick on the next one. And that seems to be what the cliffhanger's for. But I think all of this, you know, is irrelevant because the BBC know that sticking all of Happy Valley on the iPlayer is a daft thing to do because it's one of the best dramas in recent memory and they don't want it squandered. They don't want it spoiled. So they won't do it. But they do it with everything else as if everything else... Well, you don't know. It. We don't know yet, Luke. I would be willing to stake my put my stake, stake in the sand now and say that they won't You'll do it. Put your stake in the sand. What's the phrase? I couldn't <laughs> think of the phrase. Hi. L- line, line in the sand. Line in the sand or my stake in stake. my mushroom or something. I don't know what the phrase is. <laughs> I want a big squirrel and I want to watch Happy Valley Weekly. I think it's going to be what they do with Peaky Blinders, whether that all goes up on the iPlayer or whether yeah. that's weekly. I think that's that will... That's one of those things that's so popular and does seem to have a, a, a really good following of people. It is in certain in households, isn't it, in Birmingham, Sarah? But not in every household in Birmingham. Because <laughs> the only thing I think that's not gone up on the iPlayer of all the sh- big BBC shows this year is The Apprentice, because it can't really, but everything else has. 
Yeah. Tourist rules of the game, responder. Um, eight days around the world. That went up really confusingly. It was like two or three episodes. Um, you know, once a week on TV, and then suddenly it was all on the iPlayer for no reason. No reason. And toast as well. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that the BBC are quick to say, like, Line of Duty is the most watched BBC drama since ratings began. But they're quite happy to just stick stuff on the iPlayer and not give their shows a chance to grow. Mm. It's infuriating. Their only USP over the streamers is they can create, as we keep saying week on week on this podcast, they can create a conversation across the nation, as is proved time and time again every time Line of Duty comes on and Bodyguard was a huge success, whether we enjoyed the show that ended up or not. Yeah, the Vigil as well. Yeah. People were talking about that for weeks and weeks. Yeah, But what you're doing by throwing all of your, for lack of a phrase I don't like, content onto iPlayer is you're not allowing people to have that conversation the same way because you're assuming that it says to me you're assuming the audience isn't there for this show so we'll just dump it on the iPlayer and the people that will find it can watch it at their leisure at the speed they want the great thing about the iPlayer is that stuff is on there now for far longer than it ever used to be in the old days when it was Matt and Gary on the podcast (laughs) the old the olden days it used to be 30 days you'd have before something would drop off so it's quite easy to miss. Is that a lot has dropped off in the thirty days since we've done the last podcast in my in my life? In the, la- in but, the last yeah. ten years, a lot. Yeah, dropped a, lot, off. a lot has dropped off, and a lot of stuff has grown. But you know, we don't need to go into that. We've just grown in the wrong direction into the wrong shape. But <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I know. But I just don't know what the benefit is. Sarah liked that we were a bit more lukewarm on. Uh, which is something I can't even remember the name of. The one at the end of the year where the Very guy... British the serpent. No, the one at the end of the year, not the start. Oh, the um, you don't know me. Yes, I did. you don't know the title. <laughs> exactly, that. When things go straight on the iPlayer, and, as I've just proven, think they, they get easily forgotten. And you go, mm. well, like this time ne- next year, when we do the best of 2021, it won't be on there, but we won't remember Rules of the Game was the thing. And if I'd seen people talking about it online, then it, it might stay. The I, I ended up watching the end, the end of it just because oh, I, I hate you. Only because I was watching something that ended at about ten to ten. Oh, and I, I was see. Like, you didn't I'm seek out the final episode. What am I? What am I going to do for the last ten minutes? <laughs> so I know this. what I'll do. I'll, I'll see how this ended. But yeah. I, I think just to go back, get back on track a minute with this. You know that people are talking about the BBC having a subscription service or be funded by adverts and, you know, the TV licence being archaic and, and mm. things like that. I mean, what are your views on that? Well, I'd support it. What else can you do? I wouldn't yeah. be without the BBC. The three of us speaking on this podcast are lucky enough to have had a connection with the brand since we were very young. I think what's happening is more and more, and Michael talked about it yeah, I think, on, the, I on the last one, people in 10, 15 years aren't going to be nostalgic about the BBC. It won't mean anything okay. to them because it's not a part of their life. If they watch it, it's an app. It's not mm-hmm. turning on BBC One at half seven to watch EastEnders or whatever. So they don't have the brand recognition. Unfortunately, 
whether I like their output or not, Netflix is the is the market leader. It's the one everybody wants to be. But it's then the it, one... it's, it, Netflix is losing money all very yeah, much. Yeah, I was going to say, have you well, seen that, that recent story? The that they've had to thing, and... it the past year. They, they, they are nowhere near the subscriber level well, that they wanted, also... even with the pandemic boost. Also, it's worth remembering Netflix, and I've known this for a while, in all their time making original stuff, they have never made a profit on mm. anything ever, which is, mar- mm. you know, crazy. And at some point this week, we'll do the podcast we came on here to do. But it is <laughs> important. One more to thing say... about the license fee, and yeah. I'm with you on this, like, I don't see a better system, and you can't put. Radio 4 or, or BBC Radio 6 behind a paywall. Part of it is is like a selfish attitude that people have got to, well, I don't use that, so I'm... I don't you use know. it, so, yeah. Well, why wait, my, why am I paying video. for, you know, Radio 1 Extra? Or, yeah, my know. response on Twitter was, well, I don't drive, and therefore all roads should be banned. Mm. Do you see what no, I mean? See, it's a very reductive to, argument. And I don't want to fall out any... with you, but I would have to say that some roads should be remained open. I would say <laughs> only only ones that have buses on because I use the bus, but I don't that's, drive. No, that's fair. I think if if, a, if we leave bus roads <laughs> open, that's fine. <laughs> my my dictatorship would be benevolent. Yeah, no, I, but I, I think the argument you were making as well, Luke, to someone on 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 the Facebook was that they've probably watched BBC programs on Netflix because yeah. the amount of people who watch Line of Duty on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to my brother and and sister in law over the Christmas, and they just watched the Salisbury Poisonings on Netflix that was on the BBC yeah. in in yeah. 2020, and someone else has watched at work watched Mrs Wilson, which was on the BBC years ago. Like these were new discoveries and you know and, and the fall as well was one which yeah. which got a massive boost that was a, that was a really interesting point because uh, in netflix especially doesn't encourage you to watch to the end of the credits they want you to jump on to the next show so you don't know who's made it necessarily and you just look at it and go well that looks like a nice shiny drama which is what i expected netflix and you put it on and you're not giving credit where credit's actually due i don't know quite how they've done it but netflix do and we've done this conversation to death but they do have this unique ability that no other broadcaster or streamer has been able to replicate where people will just give something a try because it's on Netflix. They don't need to advertise stuff. I'm sure the Souls with Poisonings wasn't, you know, plastered all over the page of your brother's Netflix account, but he found it somehow and he thought, I'll give it a try. Had he seen that on the website or in the Radio Times at nine o'clock on Tuesday on BBC One, would he have watched it? Possibly not, but it's that... But it's, it's that the go-to, of... go as you it's say, the it's the brand, thing. isn't it? And the brand yeah. of the BBC has been damaged and people will just go, oh, it's all repeats. <laughs> mm. It's, you know, the, the political side of things, which we won't yeah. go into here. People are, people are thinking about the BBC as if the people who make the drama and the people who make the comedy yeah. and the people who make the news are all the same people. Mm. And that well, is... They're all the same person mental. in some cases. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some, yes, they must think that there really is that one BBC controller. It's just, and, yeah. And people actually, understand enough about how these things are made to even if, have opinion online so in some cases. <laughs> and if there's not the funding, then we just get more repeats and actually look to yeah. tie it all back together to what yeah. you were saying originally. Yeah. You know, they, they cut a massive part of the budget recently, didn't they, as well? Mm. And, and possibly there would be more 
original programming on BBC Three had they got the funding to make it. And if they do free, get rid of the licence fee, then there's going to be more repeats and 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 things like that. And and it's just that is the vicious cycle, uh, you know. If people and there are bits of you know the licence fee model that are a bit outdated. The the thing people are making a big thing about is the criminalisation aspect. And, you know, maybe that needs to be looked at. But generally, you know, I, I think the model works to get the variety of things that appeal to the most people yeah. in, the in, variety, in the country. The variety, the support for um, kids learning at home, for people who are living alone, for old people, you know, all those services that are there that people don't think about until suddenly they're interested or they need them. I'm I tell you what happens though as well because I've just been through it with a, a friend of ours where their daughter's left home, gone off to college. She accidentally put their her new address on their TV license, and they got a phone call saying, "Well, have you moved because you're paying two two TV licenses?" So now she's in a dorm room in college. She doesn't have a license fee, and so probably will go at the end of however long she's there. Will go. Well, actually, I don't need a tv license now because i've lived perfectly fine i've found things to watch i don't miss you know seeing the bbc stuff and and that's that's going to be happening more and more and more as people move away from the family home i mean God, I that's this... really made me nostalgic for when we used to lean yeah. out of the window at our student houses checking to see if the the van with the aerial was on was coming around <laughs> oh wow i just don't know i think it's a it's a much bigger question than even i can answer is not only the government are completely out of touch as far as the license fee is concerned, but the bigger thing is, how do you... Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está allí. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com people who don't have that connection with the BBC who don't remember sitting at home on a Saturday night watching the excitement that I promise you was Noel's house party on a Saturday and, and the thrill that used to give me and the, the fun it used to be to watch that as a family. How do you replicate that for today's modern kids who are savvier and tech 
more friendly with tech and don't want to sit around. Although you say to... that, like the mass singer or strictly come dancing, they appeal to families still. So there are shows that families are still there's always, gathering. There's on. always going to be the occasional mm. one, but the argument people have is, well, most of the year there's nothing. I think on I think there. the thing is as well that every member of that family now has got a screen somewhere whereas when we were growing up it was the one tv in the living room now you know there's a console there's a computer there's a there's extra tvs in the house you know we didn't really have that i don't think right i mean i am generalizing but i certainly didn't no and it's one of those things that the gen the next generation now have got those like you know going back to what michael was saying as well about his lad and you know, watching most of the stuff on on YouTube, people playing video games on YouTube, is much more interesting than a sort of a drama, a half an hour comedy drama or something like that. But the other thing is, the BBC are stepping over their point because they are actively saying to people, don't sit in front of your TV with your family if you don't want to. Go and sit in front of the, one of those other screens. And if you enjoyed the tourists, you can watch it all. And you don't need to wait. Or, till or are they trying to appeal to both the people who want to watch it on that TV in the living room and the person who's upstairs on their computer yeah. wanting to minute, watch everything? It's a, it's a sort of difficult halfway house. They, they want mm. it all and, and it, it's not working for either set, uh, either you know area of the demographic. Because yeah. I think we're somewhere in the middle, aren't we, really? Because, yeah. you know, we're sort of straddled between that demographic who aren't watching anything and the ones who are watching everything linearly. And and so we're sort of commenting on it from yeah, sort of that middle point. Yeah, we from a very different middle mm. point and we're not representative of the average TV viewers. We like to say we live in this bubble where we're aware of what's going on. We're aware of how the industry works for the majority of the time. And so we're not your average TV viewer, because God knows your average TV viewer wouldn't have taken up half an hour of their own podcast discussing something that they know they can't fix. But that's where we are, and I'm okay with that. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Right, at some point, we should do the shows we came here to discuss. What Um, were they again, Luke? What were they? Okay, they were... They were Trigger Point on ITV, The Responder on BBC One across all different times of the day and on the iPlayer, uh, The Gilded Age on uh, HBO and Sky Atlantic, and uh, as HBO we Max, see it, is it, or is it just normal I HBO? I don't know, I don't know, I don't right. know, and I'll say HBO that again. Sugar Free. Yeah, and also, as we see it, uh, a new half-hour drama, Yay, on Amazon. I think we should start with uh, the bomb drama, which is Trigger Point, because that airs first. I'm just going to read the synopsis from the ITV website, if that's all right Go with on. everyone. that's fine. That's what <laughs> I'm going to do. Such good value for money. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of a summer heatwave, explosives officers Lana Washington and Joel Nutkins are called out to a Metropolitan Police counter-terrorism operation at a London housing estate to investigate a potential bomb factory and a suspected bomb maker, Andy Phelan. There is no sign of the bomb maker, but his wife and young daughter have been restrained and his wife forced to call in the bomb threat. She is now fearful for her husband's safety. The assailants broke in using Phelan's keys, which are now missing, leading to a race against time to locate Phelan and his vehicle. Washington and Nutkin successfully defuse an improvised explosive device, but its complexity suggests they're dealing with sophisticated terrorists. Until the suspect is located and detained, Expo remain on high alert. As the police evacuate residents from the estate, Expo find evidence of an even deadlier terrorist threat and must work against the clock to save as many lives as possible. 
Do you know what I liked about that? You could not tell you were reading that. That's what I liked about it. (laughs) It still sounded perfectly fine, and you could not tell that was being read. Are you being sarcastic? I can't tell anymore. Yes, yes. (laughs) If you can't tell, I always am. (laughs) I thought I, I made it my own. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm taking from the fact that you read a paragraph out to us that you didn't really think a great deal of this episode. Am I right, Matthew? What I've written down is a lot of it was people standing around. <laughs> I felt... <laughs> Listening to your perfectly eloquent synopsis, it does make me realise, spoiler alert, I will say this, it has aired. If you haven't seen it, that's on you. Adrian Lester doesn't make it to the end of the final episode. And, and no, to the, to the end of the first episode. First episode. And I, I, I do like listening to your synopsis. What were the character names again? Lana Washington and Joel Notkins. What, sound you like... could tell. You could tell that Adrian Lester wasn't going to make it to the end of that first one because they put no thought into his character but name they, at all. They're like one step away from being characters in Toaster London, really, aren't they? <laughs> I thought they sounded like something off kids' TV. And, and the way, you know, Vicky McClure was sort of dressed and the character and yeah. the swagger, it had like almost like a Bond, like a modern Bond girl well, La- feel Lara Croft. It. Lara yeah. Croft. Lana, Lana, Lara. Lana. We're quite close Ooh. to... We're clever, huh? Look at me. That was just off a cuff. I didn't read that from a synopsis. It <laughs> came completely off the cuff. I was slightly disappointed with it it very much was people explaining what they were doing while they were diffusing these bombs having read something from the the writer as well he'd written this off the back of watching a documentary about bomb disposal a documentary about northern ireland wasn't it I, I can sort of see what they were doing with it. It seemed like after every ad break, or just leading up to every ad break, Vicky McClure was about to die. And as Luke <laughs> said, it was actually Adrian Lester in the end. They were playing very sort of stereotypical characters. So as as I said, you know, Vicky McClure's character was the one girl amongst the boys. She They've both mm. been in the military. She was in a big sort of four by four, li- listening to rap music blaring. All right, Brandad, I don't think they call it rap music anymore. What do they call it? I think it might have been grime. No, hip-hop. Adrian Lester's character is Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, really, isn't it? Because he did say, I'm getting too old for this several times during the episode. She's usually the death knell for a character, isn't it? My back's gone, my wife's gone, the kids aren't talking to me anymore. But other than that, I'm fine. Introduce this character in one sentence you know this was the thing and and there was a lot of secondary characters that we didn't really you know there was just people sort of against standing around this is something that's really bugged me because i've looked at the episode twice now and it's still bugging me it's a heat wave it is august it is so hot everybody's really annoyed you know when you're just so hot you're so angry i would guess you're bugged about the fact that no ice cream man didn't take advantage of the situation. Seriously. Because <laughs> I would have. If I'd have been there with an ice cream man, everyone's out there. They're hot and bothered. Let's give them a 99 or a Calippo to yeah, ease the situation. Yeah, they're, they're worried. They need some sugar. Um, no, what really bothered me was the Asian police detective. She was wearing what looked to be a green leather jacket and a mm. bomb vest throughout. In that heat, she'll be dripping. I know. I know. Anyway. I know. No, I, I, I really liked Adrian Lester and I know that we didn't get to spend much time with his character. He was the everyman. I really liked him. And then and it blows really... up in your face. In this first episode, they build up two characters and one's dead by the end of the end of the first episode. I know. Yeah. 
And the, one of the real selling points here was these two actors working mm. together and they looked so much like genuine friends. They looked you know like was, proper mates. What was weird for me, and I, we watch a lot of stuff, and it doesn't happen a lot, but I was just continually aware all the way through it's Vicky McClaw, it's Adrian Lester. I just, I just yeah, could me. not... I just couldn't switch that part of my brain off. I was just too aware that I was watching two um, actors who I like do something, and Luke, I wasn't at all invested in their characters. And I bet you hated that he kept calling a wash as well. Oh, yes. <coughs> I couldn't see anything other than Vicky McClaw being Vicky McClaw, and she's great in everything I've ever seen her in. This yes. is England, Did I he... Am, Line of Duty. In this, I was like, oh, it's just Vicky McClaw being Vicky McClaw in a Vicky McClaw drama. I know that she did want to step away from the Line of Duty character. This was not a step. This was more of a little tiny hop. I just felt like all the attempts at tension were completely lost. I just felt like it just all felt so hollow and I was just waiting for something twisted well, to happen. Well, I mean, it's, it's got Jed Mercurio's stamp on it in a way because yeah. Daniel Bryerly is his mentee. So Jed's been mentoring through <laughs> I him. I love that word. We don't. I love that word. That's a word from my actual day-to-day nine-to-five job. Oh, so there I you love are. that word. You can tell that it's Daniel's work, but Jed has had editorship over it, I suppose. A lot of it fell flat. Mm. I, I, I think as well, the tension that they've got, it's hard to make dramatic, if that makes sense. The, the, the tent scenes took a long time because of the nature of the bomb disposal. Yeah, it's like, it's like the, the jeopardy had to be explained to us because it is mm. so technical. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing with this episode, it's almost like a prologue because we were in this, this tower block it's going to move away from that. It's going to be the investigation into who these terrorists are and who, you know, them planting and the bomb. And then it turns into the tower, and I am so not here for that mm. either. But, so it can't, but can't win with me. That's going to be the thing, isn't it? We are going to be going back into the station and things. This is almost like the prologue, yeah. and she's now yeah. going to be is, helping with the investigation. Almost... We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
to my mind, this is almost like a bottle episode and it's mm. going to widen out into like, you know, an investigation in multiple different sites. I thought this was quite good, though, the way that it was all eyes on the police and the bomb squad and they could feel the tension of the neighbourhood. I I liked that. They're doing something with this they never do. So the Sunday night dramas traditionally are two hours long. They're sedate. They sort of... Vera Endeavour. They offer the antidote to the BBC Sunday night dramas, which are often high-octane and discussion-worthy and powerful and big. And they've decided to put this on a Sunday night as a way to say we can do this thing as well. I'm not used to watching ITV stuff on the previews like this, and I think audiences will be perturbed by the amount of ad breaks there are. Because I was, and I wasn't even having to sit through the adverts. I was just... (laughs) watching a black screen count up. I think a lot of people will enjoy this, but whether they'll enjoy the show, it has to become because of the decision that was made at the end of it. For me, it's just a very strange first episode of a drama because I think we haven't had half of the stuff explained to us. Having looked who's in it, half of the people haven't popped at like Warren Brown, who's got a very good agent this year is in well, this. Kerry Godleyman apparently is in this and, you know, she pop up in the first episode. So there's a lot more people who haven't been introduced yet. Yeah. So I the, think what they wanted cool. here was to introduce the job and therefore the tension mm. and the fear and the claustrophobia. And this is an episode made for Gogglebox. Which is an on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, James. <laughs> that is very poor schedule. <laughs> on in the end of February. It's on. Nothing about it surprised me. I was never really invested in it. No. You know, I, I could see what was coming. I, was, I thought it was quite... You said, So, Sarah, did it get you? Because you mentioned the tension. Did it yeah, make you feel tense? I think tense? it did, honestly. I think it did. And I'm the kind of person who would rarely ever set foot over the threshold of a cinema to watch an action movie. But put that tension into sort of more palatable TV episodes and put Vicky McClure in it. And yeah, I think I will watch the rest of this. Unless it gets totally squiffy in the middle, I think I'll, I'll watch all of this. I don't think they did enough to hook no. me and and explain what is going to happen next to me. You know, what is the overhooking story here? We got the story of the of the family, Andy, who was, you know, had the bomb strapped to him and everything. And I think you got the impression as well that one of these two were going to die and, and they were setting up that it was going to be... Uh, Lana Washington, because she seemed to be very rogue and, and trying to stop getting herself blown right. up. We get it in line of duty every year, someone dies. Um, in the someone first with episode. a big name who's done a lot of the advertising mm. for it. They, I, I, it would have been smarter yeah. to have Vicky McClure die, wouldn't mm. it? But then you can't say, look at this brand spanking new Vicky McClure drama we've but got. But then they did it with TV. Martin Constant in Vigil, didn't they? And mm. yeah. I haven't got a, a great hook on what is dragging me into the rest of this series because I felt this was very much a bottle episode. Mm. One of the characters that I've spent loads of time with is gone now. Mm. What is there to hook me in to watch the rest of this series is would be my question. I'm just really hoping that he's not dead. I don't know, that's really... <laughs> he's not going to be back at work the next day, though, even if he's not, well, is he? you know, give him a couple of weeks off. Yeah. <laughs> or do you think he'll but, be by in... By the sixth he'll episode... He'll do flashbacks be... or something. Oh, or... see... Man, I really hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ban no, the F word from this, from this podcast. The F word is banned. Trigger point. Nine <laughs> o'clock, Sunday night, ITV. Their first sort of go at that slot with this sort of drama comparatively then we should talk about the responder which is on bbc one 
as we discussed on the beginning of the podcast, strangely scheduled. It's all going up on the iPlayer after it airs on Monday night at 9, but then the second episode is on Tuesday, and the next three are on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I've been reliably informed by a not-so-senior colleague, but a colleague... (coughs) You all right, Sarah? (laughs) Um, So... This focuses on Martin Freeman's character, Chris. When we first meet him, he is in a therapy session with the brilliant Elizabeth Barrington. Then he's sort of reluctantly letting himself be opened. He said all he wants to be is a better Bobby, but he's struggling with it. We learn throughout the course of the episode that he obviously did have quite a career within the police, but we, we meet him when he is a first responder. Now, the job of these people who we haven't seen... I don't think in a television drama before I've seen documentaries that follow these people around. First person to end up on a scene. So when we first meet him, he goes to a tower block where two neighbours are having a row. He's the first to be called when an elderly woman is found dead in her home. Ends up she just died of natural causes. He is the first to pick up petty criminal when he finds drugs on him. And throughout this, his mobile phone is ringing because a character called Sweeney played by Ian Hart in a wig that I will with not... hair Ian Hart Ian Hart with <laughs> hair what's wrong with Ian Hart without hair I've made peace with it why can't they Hart with hair as we'll refer to him is a local criminal a local bad man who is after a uh, a bag head as they call her a prostitute and a drug user Casey who he is after it turns out when Martin Freeman's character Chris does find her that he's working in a way for for Sweeney and he finds out that Casey stole a load of cocaine from Sweeney and so he wants to kill her basically and uh, Chris against his better judgment when he's on the way taking her to Sweeney he decides no I'm not going to let you die and I'm going to protect you and so now he's in Sweeney's bad books which isn't a great place to be the joy in this though is in its quieter moments and I have to say I've not been Martin Freeman's biggest champion. I think he's done a lot of roles that haven't necessarily challenged him. But here, with the Liverpoolian accent, which is so on point, I just feel like he disappears into the role. Unlike with Vicky McClaw, I can't see Martin Freeman here. I completely see this beaten down man who is depressed, feels lonely, is at his lowest ebb. He's got a young daughter and wife at home. And Chris won't open up to her about the demons he's wrestling. And on the face of it, it is another one of those dramas that I like that is deeply depressing. But there are no big thrills or or shocks here. It is just about following this man around on his day at work. It is no less compelling for it. I found it completely engrossing. I came to realise afterwards that... Tony Schumacher, the writer of this and former police officer himself, had a mentee. There we mm. go. Uh, no, he had a mentor. He was a men- He was a mentee. Oh, no, he was a mentee. Sorry, I get my E's and O's <laughs> mixed up. And his mentor was um, Jimmy McGovern. And I'd sort of had shades of that, what with it being set in Liverpool and being focused on ordinary well, people. Well, he's written three books hadn't he as well yeah. having read yeah. his you know his interview on uh, with the bbc he'd written he was uh, you know this was his life he got yeah. out of it he became a taxi driver after so he was still working mm. at night and this is why apparently all of these episodes are set yeah. at night because he is used to that 
you know, being out at night. He'd written three books which sort of saw him not have to be a taxi driver, but he'd always be compelled to write it as a script and he'd done a 20-page spec script and had then sent it to Jimmy McGovern who'd sort of given him some tips and had sent him to someone else to help him sort of flesh it out a bit more. There's a lot of humour in it as well. I think Martin Freeman handles that well. It's the most naturalistic of his performances since his breakout in The Office. I can't praise this first episode enough. I think if it focuses too heavy on heart with hair going forward, I might sort of lose, lose not lose interest, but I hope it doesn't lose its focus on showing us the normality and the human side of things. I also like the two other police colleagues. The girl is being trained and she's out on night shifts with her training officer and she's heard echoes of what Uh, Chris was like prior. And I think, doesn't she start working with Chris? I'm sure I saw that in the trailer. I I think you're probably right. It just feels really authentic. I appreciated the fact that it's not flashy. It doesn't try and be something that it's not. And it... Does it have the same thing that Bodies did? Because Jed had come from a a medical background. For me, I believe it does. It feels authentic, but it's authentic in a way. It doesn't alienate you. It doesn't use a lot of jargon. It doesn't throw things at the audience that we have to learn going forward. I just really appreciated it. And it was an hour and it went by really quickly. I think it's crime drama, but not as we know it. And I hope people get on board with it. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, pretty much what he said. (laughs) okay well well, that's good we've talked for ages as it is uh no one thing i did want to make mention of because this is not what you see on traffic cops it's not a traffic cop no but but the urgent response people do they go out by themselves all the time because that's not healthy yeah and that's part of the reason he's struggling he's got nobody to bounce off is that just how they've always been set up, or is that yes, just staffing yeah. issues and budget? I think, or... I think it's a it's a mixture of the of the two. I think because mm. sometimes you will get one officer going out on their own. Sometimes you will get them going in pairs. It depends on the job, really. I think. And they are going to end up seeing the worst stuff because mm. they get there like with yeah, the ambulance first. or before the ambulance, or you know, like mm. it's going to be horrible. They are going to be. It basically the people who are mopping up the blood and, and, you know, getting the bodies ready for the body bag. And that is going to mess you up. If it's um, something... And there's no support Sorry. either here from his colleagues, you know? They just think he's kind of the weirdo and they kind of leave him alone because he's so deep in his own problems that he has become a sort of really angry, unsympathetic sort of guy. I really enjoyed that one-minute moment when we saw him go and visit his mum in care. Mm. I felt like we were finally seeing the real Chris and then she says something in defense of his horrible father we take from that conversation that he was abusive and suddenly he's closed off again I personally feel that it did a brilliant job of establishing Chris as a character his background his upbringing the fact that you know he probably used to be a better cop well it's mentioned isn't it that he's to be a brilliant sergeant he's obviously been through a breakdown people mention it throughout the episode obviously you know you mentioned he's in therapy i love this basically i think we all feel the same (laughs) were you a bit worried there that i I didn't like yeah i was a bit worried because i never know i never know as you say the the bit with the woman who's who's died and he has to stay there and wait for the doctor to turn up and he's there eating the soup and i love how he said p and ham p and ham (laughs) and and yeah watching 
the escape to the country or whatever she had saved up on her. Yeah, you know, when well, you didn't get very far. <laughs> it's the menial side of it, and and it's yeah. that thing you can see is is weighing him down. The the opening where you get it is almost like documentary like in a way. Yeah. The way it's filmed it all adds to that authenticity that you're saying, mm-hmm. and I agree with you as well, Luke. The the Ian Hart bits are the most sort of. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Dramatic, take you out of it. Yeah, most, drama. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I also didn't recognise Myanna Buring as his wife because no, she was playing a completely against type. She's uh, remarkably different. She often plays these quite spiky characters, doesn't she? And he is. Uh, she's or very, siren type. Yeah, and she's yeah. very soft. She's very like the doting wife. She's very much, you know, open up to me. Tell me what you're feeling. And what I also liked is, and I know we've had this conversation a lot about opening episodes, is we say, oh, it's hard for an opening episode because they have to introduce all these plots, all these characters. And I think they did brilliantly in, you know, we meet Rachel for one scene, the trainee, or a couple of scenes, and we get all we need to know about her. We know gradually about his mental health issues, his background, without that feeling heavy-handed. We get the one scene with Warren Brown at the school at the end where we know what's been happening there with the wife. Yeah. We know without everything being... wasn't it? It was effortless but... and it just felt like you were being put down in this whole real world that just made perfect sense. And they didn't drive home any of the points. They all just occurred naturally. There were no flashbacks. There was nothing jarring. It, it just worked so well. I suppose well. apart from the therapy was the only sort of flashbacky bits, but they yeah, just sort of yeah. worked interspersed in there. Another performance I really liked was Emily Fenn as this. She's brilliant. I, I read her thing. She's literally just come out. Of it. She graduated yeah. acting school during the yeah. pandemic, so this is literally her first thing. What a fake and, and again, her authenticity rings through. I, I, I really feel she's not going to make it to the end of the series. You know, I, I knew that she would not get on that train and go to Leeds. You know that she's, she was going to sort of stay in it. And and again, it adds to that authenticity. Everyone in it. Love feels it. like they belong in that world and ha- I mean, have she's something a, that's... she's a businesswoman she's got cocaine to sell she knows mm. her market she's got to stay where she knows people who are mm. gonna buy it in terms of it all being set at night as well we don't often see that it do immediately we? adds to the tension mm. without there being mm. any tension there because everywhere feels 
on edge and scary at night, wherever mm-hmm. you are, even if you're somewhere you know. The extreme um, uh, close-ups of, as well on all of these characters' faces, like they were sort of grotesque, yeah. I thought was really good, and it and, did make you feel claustrophobic. You were stuck in the car with him. You were stuck in the job with him. Not to say a Ponzi podcast thing, you know. But you're you going to that. anyway. I'm going to. I thought the the atmosphere in the night time was almost like an oppressive character itself working against him. You know, mm. he's trying to keep he's trying to keep awake. He's trying to keep engaged. The tension in this was really from his constant phone ring. Sometimes he ignores it. Sometimes he picks it up and has a, a long or a brief conversation. Sometimes he just takes it out of his pocket, looks at it and puts it back again. But that's all that really happens is this constant phone call all the time that you're completely on edge. It's hard for me to look at this completely objectively because this is a show that on paper and in execution is just so my bag. I can't know with a great deal of certainty whether this will appeal to the same audience that Line of Duty or or Trigger Point will. Will they say, oh, it's just following him around, it's not exciting enough it's not doing enough there's not a big twist or a big you do have that hook though i think well, that I trigger think so, but... point didn't have because you know you've got this this story with with casey and, and the, the stuff that's going on with his wife and you want to know more about his background you want to know more about that character i think there's enough in there to hook me which i, I didn't find that there was with trigger point well, i think so but sometimes when i love something like, like i love this I can't see it from any other point of view. And I don't know whether somebody who tunes in for the twists and turns... Mind you, Line of Duty. Well, we, we talk about all of its twists and turns and stuff, but a lot of it is the interview... Early series. Line of Duty, yeah. especially, I think yeah. this did have flavour of. I think people, maybe... People enjoyed the camaraderie in Line of Duty mm. and they enjoyed the sort of 20-minute long interview scenes where the tension was ramped up and people weren't put off by the technical phrases. You know, mm. in fact, some people really responded to them. So I think the responder deserves to do really well, but like you say, will it find uh, the right audience? And I think the promotion of it did sort of think, oh, is this a sort of line of duty type mm. show? Yeah, and it has yeah. more in common with those sort of grittier shows from like the late 90s, early 2000s, where, yes, as you say, that they're, they're just following characters around. And it is yeah. a, it's sort of very bold for to put something like this on in prime time because we don't get as many dramas like this now. We are having like the big explosive like a trigger point a vigil you know we've mentioned them all today already the the it almost like has have people got the attention span for this i think is what That's you're what saying my worry it. is yeah because yeah. for me but it, it, just... it, it grabbed me i think all three of us felt the same that it grabbed us last week's dramas i really struggled to mm-hmm. pay attention to any of them this yeah. week you know the responder all yeah. of them i i more or less watched in one sitting because in their own way, even sort of something like Trigger Point was a really easy watch, I found. I didn't sort of struggle with it, but this was the one that kept my attention. I was so surprised by it. I didn't really know what to expect. I had no idea about Tony Schumacher's background. Only when reading, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense because it does have, it does feel like it's from the perspective of someone who's lived through it. So mm. The Responder is one of my favourite shows we've spoken about today. Um, and this is one of my favourite shows this of year. The, of the two. Um, of, the, <laughs> of the two so far, if you're keeping score. Nine o'clock, Monday and Tuesday, all straight on the iPlayer. How will you likely consume this, you two? Assuming that I will do the Monday and Tuesday. iPlayer. 
Yeah, I'll say you, I think. Okay, all right, fair enough. You're just not helping my cause. That's fair <laughs> I'm enough. sorry. You, I'm sorry. You I do would, what you wish. Sorry, sir. I would, I, would, yeah, I would probably do that, but I, I don't live alone and I don't think this is going to appeal to my parents in their mid-70s. I, I, I just... I thought why it not? Brilliant. Yeah, interestingly, why not? I think they would want something cosier. They want the extremes. They either want traffic cops, and the reason why I watch so much traffic cops is because they do, um, or they want... I feel like something... it's a bit of a tick, that, now, for you. You've <laughs> mentioned it. You know, I don't even know if you're aware you're saying it as frequently as you are. Or they want something that's a bit more like Vera or, you know, something with a sort of... This is real traffic cops, the, in a way. The, the, <laughs> the, the traffic cops in this house is nothing to declare. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so that's... There's that's a whole podcast in this conversation. Or can't pay, we'll take it away. There's a lot of that on, on here. We should we should do a, what our parents watch. Yeah, and, 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 my, and my mum's a big uh, bargain-loving Brits in the Sun fan. Oh. Yeah, I, I tend not to be in the room when that's on. I found a lot of humour in it, specifically in the conversation Chris has with the guy he picks up in the back of the car. He's saying, Marco, I don't know how, Marco, yeah. I don't, I don't know how you managed to live at home with your kid and your bird and stuff. I found a lot of human humanity and a lot of humour. My worry with it is that people will find it too bleak and dismiss it because I think it's mm-hmm. it's really well done. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. Let's get the elephant out the, in the room out the way, shall we? Let's, Let's get see. the elephant out of the room. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling to breathe. <laughs> the elephant in the room out the way. The other drama, the other big drama of the week. Sarah, it's off to you for the Gilded Age on HBO and Sky Atlantic. So the Gilded Age is... New York, up and coming. So it's the late 1800s. Can the I also Rose... just say, if you mention traffic cops during this, I may have to make a call to some social <laughs> services or something that you've got. Some no, I was I was moving on wreck. to a different form of okay. transport completely. The railroads are coming through. Oh, and people are making big dollar dollar off of this. Um, so it's the conflict basically between the old money in New York and the new money and how the people with new money, you know, might have all the money in the world and they do, but they are not welcome. Our way into this, she's referred to as Miss Brooke. I'm sure she's got a first name. Marion. Ada. Oh. Is that, oh, yeah. Sorry. No, it's, you're right. It's Marion. <laughs> no, it's really even, difficult. That wasn't even everybody, close. Everybody yeah, it's like Miss Brooke and Miss Van Ryan yeah. and Miss... Everybody above stairs and below stairs are all addressed by their title, so I'm not going to... Ada Brooke is the Cynthia Nixon character. That's right, yeah. Miss Brooke (laughs) Um, is penniless after the death of her father, who basically gambled everything away and was just basically lying to her. She's got $30 left. She has to go to the care of her aunts, who don't really want her. But, you know, this is what a sort of unaccompanied woman who hasn't got a job and hasn't got any particular skills has to do she's off to london and she's our way into this sort of conflict that's happening um she lives with her aunts who are old money and can trace their ancestors back to um the mayflower um so that she's got a nice aunt and a hard-hearted aunt um so that is um ada who is cynthia nixon and Christine Moransky as Agnes Van Ryan. And I can't believe they've never played sisters before because they look fantastic together. Um, They're very much the sisters from James and the Giant Peach. 
I was going to say that they are Sabrina's aunts. Sabrina the Teenage Witch's aunts. It doesn't matter what I do. You always trump me with a more contemporary reference. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because I think I'm actually older than you. So that's great. Yeah, you're just more... You're obviously down with the kids further. That's right. (laughs) Um, So Marion ends up with getting a new friend on the way to New York. Um, Peggy Scott is the lady who helps her out in a pinch when, well, well, basically when her stuff gets pinched. (laughs) (laughs) Peggy is a a black girl um, who is very reluctant to go home to Brooklyn. Um, So, you know, in these sort of Judy and Fellows type dramas, um, she gets offered a job with Marion's family. Did she steal her purse, do you think? Or no, is that just me? I don't think you're trying to find the responder in the... Okay. (laughs) I think that's you being put in too much cleverness on this. Okay. Ultimately, this is just gentle Sunday viewing. The part about it that I liked the most was the conflict between, you know, the Russells who represent New Money and the Van Ryans and, you know, big names for American history that represent old money, the old money families. I like that conflict and I like how snooty and dismissive they are of each other but of course they're very very polite about it and so it seems the way that those kind of unspoken know your place vibes are what Peggy has to deal with as an African-American woman as well because the servants who she ends up living with in the big house are very rude to her as well but not to her face sort of thing and I hope that they can use that and bring that forward because that's not something that we've really ever seen in a Julian Fellows drama before. But because this is set in New York at a time, you know, of slavery and segregation, it's really important that they discuss that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The rest of it is introducing a bunch of young people from different sides of this sort of class battleground who are obviously going to be boinking by episode two, episode well, three. Agnes's son is closeted gay. Yeah, that was quite interesting. Do you think that he's just got back from Europe is code for he's gay? <laughs> or did he really just get back from Europe? <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. But you do get the younger generation have got less of that hold on the past. That's the suggestion is this isn't going to be around forever, this division. It's very much archaic and their, yeah, you know, their um, younger relatives are almost dismissive of it and want to sort of... It's Mrs. Russell herself who says that she knows that her husband's money is good. They won't have to wait 50 years for him to be a society leader because things are speeding up. Um, Yeah, Luke. (laughs) What did you think of, of, say, the last 40 minutes in particular? Hang on a minute because I've just got to do some sound effects for the podcast. I'm I'm so worth it, aren't I? Right, here we go. Oh, these are... Sea salt and crushed black pepper. You need to put your webcam on for this, Sarah. No, I won't look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't waste your frame. It could have been your prize if you'd made it. We didn't even ask you to watch the whole thing. To be fair, 90 minutes is insane. No show should be 90 minutes. Just the first hour of this. It was 80 minutes. Well, no show should be 80 minutes. And don't eat on the podcast. It's 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 almost like someone. Someone who won't watch the end of a programme is really rude as well. First of all, I didn't particularly want to watch this, but there wasn't a fourth show this week. This this often happens, despite how happy-go-lucky I, I seem when we were Really? Recording. You seem happy-go-lucky? 
when I do the edit, it seems only, like that. Only in that that was the name of a Mike Lee film. I think that's... <laughs> I'm happy go lucky in the way that Daniel, I am Daniel Blake is happy yeah, go lucky. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't want to watch this. I I cannot see any merit in these types of dramas. The only things that I've liked set in periods before are uh, Deadwood, which is one of my favourite shows of all time, and The Nick, which is about a hospital in the. I think the start of the 19th century or the end of the 18th and with, with it wasn't, And it wasn't a series, but the miniaturist as well you would have oh, to Oh, God, yeah. That was my first exposure to Anya Taylor-Joy. Just brilliant. So those are the those are the trio. They are more gritty. I think what I struggle with, what, with these sort of things is I'm not very good at cosy. Not everything I watch has to be bleak, and we're going to be talking about another show next that but I enjoyed. But it helps. But yeah, you don't have to be bleak to impress me, but it works, but it helps. <laughs> I just don't care about any of the goings on. I did like the African American character that you mentioned. I thought she brought some levity to the piece, and I liked that she was not of this world, so she was my entry point. I appreciated yeah, that. She was she but, was the go getter. She was the one who actually had some skin in the game. And, Everyone else was just had loads and of that, didn't have to worry about anything. The scene with her and Audra McDonald playing her mum, I really yes, liked. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. That was the show I wanted to watch. The rest of it, I I felt like I'd seen before. I just, I, you know, how you you turn your nose up at sort of wealth, mm. middle today. class, Mi- middle yes. class. I I just can't do rich people problems. Of, mm. I can't do it. I it's just why are you even bothering me with it? You know, it's <laughs> I just cannot see any merit, and I don't see why. I've never understood why millions of people watch Downton. They are so far removed. It's, it's escapism. So re- That's why, Luke. Yeah, because well, Spider-Man like, I, is escapism I, in a I, different I, way. But I most of people like why. Spider-Man. No, I know. I can, I can, I can, I can, no, I understand that. Why would you want to escape into that this sort of world yeah. that, is, that you can't aspire to in any way? These shows are never fun. They always take, they're really po-faced. They take themselves... Remarkably serious. You might run around pretending that you're Spider-Man. I can run around pretending that I'm Lord Grantham if I want to. (laughs) Or or, or, or in this, Christine Baranski probably. (laughs) The humour, I think, comes from the sniping, which I know you don't like as a rule. I've never liked that. Yeah, the sniping. Unless unless Brian Cox was in there sniping, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get on board. What you like is the grit and the, the sort of the authenticity that we've just talked about. Yes. Because you don't see that in your daily life really do you whereas a lot of people do my friend i remember years ago we went to see this is england the film at the cinema and she absolutely hated it because it reminded her a lot of of growing yes. up and she likes it she, feels like a documentary yeah she would probably really like this she loved like game of thrones she loves period dramas because it's that air of escapism it's looking so it's to the going, past it's, it's akin to going into a fantasy world. yeah 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 that's yeah. basically what it is it's a fantasy world you know there there is a level of research to this i think it partly started as a uh, downton prequel i believe with the um, Elizabeth McGovern character and, yeah, and exploring her background and her romance with the with Hugh Bonneville. I think that's where it then started. It w- this. Then it was going to be this, but on NBC. Then the mm. guy who bought it at NBC moved it. Ironically, I spent more time researching it afterwards <laughs> than I did watching, 
Because yeah. I felt like I needed to bring something to the party. You've got to, you've got to stay in your lane. Do what's comfortable. Read I, about I, it. I, Don't watch it. If you want to disappear into this fantasy world, fine. I appreciate that not everyone is a responder viewer. For Do you, you want me to say for me? Yeah, yeah, you've got the time. Because <laughs> I, I didn't mind. I'm going to be, as you say, Switzerland uh, again Switzerland here. Switzerland again. <laughs> I, well, I didn't mind Downton. It was a bit of fluff, really, for, yeah, uh, for a Sunday going night. Going back to the days where you were paid to write about Yeah, and I did get paid to write a lot about Downton yeah, as well. Yeah, well, there you go. I, think I might have shaped um, your opinion of it. This, there was too many characters to start off with. I think it, yeah. it took a while because obviously Downton, we know for the sort of the upstairs, downstairs-ness of it, you know, you've got the Granthams and then you've got the below-stairs characters who are some of the more interesting characters, I think. And when I watched that, I think I was more invested in them. Here, we've got two lots of upstairs and downstairs. Yes, yeah, yeah, I got lost very quickly. Who's the butler? So it was nice to see uh, Simon Jones from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy turn up as the Van Ryan butler. Um, I quite enjoyed his performance. They try and do stories with the, the staff as well. So the Russells have got this maid who's been at a house with the, the, sort of the old money, and has come to this house with the new money and almost seems to be trying to hit on Mr. Russell at one stage. So bitchy as well, isn't she? She's mm. definitely going to be one to watch. You've always got to watch one of the maids or the butlers downstairs who are evil because they'll do great things in these in this series. <laughs> if you know Downton Abbey, then you know these characters the already. The scenes with Christine Baranski and Cynthia Nixon felt like discarded scenes that were given to Maggie Smith and Penelope Wilton in Downton yeah. Abbey. That's why I like them the best. Mm. <laughs> The sort of the big build-up will be that showdown between Christine Baranski and Carrie Coon. The poster for this is those two faces, and so that's going to be, you know, they weren't together in the in this first episode. So you're obviously building up to that. The outside scenes were they CGI because it no, felt they were sets. They was I've been on sets like that. They were they. It were, felt they were... very again going back to that word uncanny. It did have that uncanny nature to it when we went outside. I felt I th- like it looked like they were on a set when they were outside. Mm. And it, no, I agree. It, was, it wasn't sprawling. I thought, you know, you got the big H-bow money. I thought it would be sprawling and large and big. And I know the world was filled with a lot of characters. But all I think you got that in the... was really boring. Like when she was at the train station and, you know, the youngsters were all out gallivanting and playing mm. card games and what have you. I, I really like the music. I thought that really enhanced things. Obviously, the costumes look fantastic. Stylistically, for, you know, the costumes, the lavish... The food I, at the end that they had to all box up and send to charity. I was so charity. angry. So yeah. angry. <laughs> You've got um, bloody Chris that should be mine. <laughs> the um the costumes, the sets, um, the food, all of the sort of things that gave it a lot of colour. There were some seriously hideous hats. And I was so confused by what constitutes day wear and evening wear, because Mrs. Russell was in like the tightest brightest silk corsets the whole time and i'm like hang on a minute but maybe that's something to to show how rich she is and how she doesn't abide by the rules oh. of like the old country it was fluffy and fine yeah, what were your thoughts sarah just is that it <laughs> yeah i liked it i will definitely watch the rest of it but surprised that i can't get is this the sort of thing your parents would watch yeah is, is this cozy yeah. enough it yeah, starts with sheep this is cosy enough, definitely. Mm, but like you say, okay. too many characters. Mm. Uh, Matt, what about you? You didn't say definitively. No. 
Okay. There you <laughs> That's very definitive. I just think, uh, again, I, I found a lot of the younger characters were quite wet. They were very forgettable. I, yeah. I will literally need, like, to have Wikipedia you know, because open. In terms of Downton, you know, all the, the sisters had that defined personality. I don't know, because there was the middle sister that everyone forgot about. But Edith. I, Oh, yeah. Oh, well done. There you go. That's only because you used to write about it. Well, no, painful. I liked her character because she was very forward thinking. She was the one who became the journalist. Yeah, but okay. she had here's, here's... to do. She had nothing to do for at least the first three seasons. Here's mm. a better question. You can each answer it, but for the love of God, answer it in about a sentence because my, my lifeblood is draining away. Will this appeal? Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at armyhistory.org. To a Downton audience, I don't know how many Downton audience members have got Sky Atlantic. I know that's a Ignore bit of a, that. I didn't a exactly, exactly what I don't. If that's a, a moot point, but you know, if this was on ITV, then yes. But oh, yes. it's okay. on Sky Atlantic. I don't know how many no one's people who watch Downton are going to find it. No, and also, there's the argument, isn't there, that if you've got Sky Atlantic, you want the big, sprawling American shows like mm. Succession and Euphoria and stuff, and this probably isn't your bag, but there you exactly. go. I've, I've used that twice now. The Gilded Age is on now. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it is, because this drops the day it drops. Put some more money in Luke. I think he's broken. I, just, <laughs> I knew this conversation would break me. The final show this week is on Amazon Prime Video. I assume that's what they're still calling themselves. This comes from creator Jason Jason Katims, who you may be aware of if you, like me, were a big fan of Friday Night Lights. Uh, this is a half-hour comedy drama set in Los Angeles, and it focuses on three people. Tell me again, Sarah. I'm so sorry. I just don't want to mess this up before I've even started. I was going Let to say three people with autism or three autistic... Three, three, three people autistic on... Pe people. Uh, three people on on the uh, autist, 
autism autistic spectrum. spectrum. Can we uh, just give a shout out to my with friend ASD, which is the very um, good, very good. Yeah. Shout out to my friend who was trying to guide us through the language because we know that you know it's respectful to get the language right, but as we often say, we're a bit old and we're we're yeah. trying our best. Yeah, I feel like autism and its various offshoots are quite familiar to TV audiences. We've we've had shows that have showcased it in reality with things like The Undateables. I still think it's a wonderful show with the worst title on television. Peter Bowker's done it with The A Word. And uh, this is showing it for the first time, a drama of these three in- adults. Interestingly, though, this, like The A Word, is an Israeli show. Like Homeland, Euphoria, you know. Amazing. <laughs> we should all just move there. I'd be chuffed. I don't want to move to Israel. <laughs> Here, the three characters I'm discussing are Jack, Violet and Harrison. It begins with Harrison being guided out of the house by his support worker and aide, Maddie, played brilliantly by... Mandy, so- I think. Mandy. Yeah, Mandy, Mandy, played brilliantly by Sosie Bacon, who is the daughter of Kevin and Kira Sedgwick and was last seen in Mayor of Easttown. Uh, she's guiding him outside of the house. He doesn't really like to leave the comfort of the apartment uh he is afraid of animals afraid of any loud noises and she's trying to help him just get to the local bakers and have a croissant for his trouble but even getting him out of the house is is really difficult jack is slightly older he's working as a web designer or i think are they all meant are they He's all a meant to be a publishing company? Yeah, in their mid, aren't they all in their mid-twenties? They're all, yeah, in they're all supposed to be in their mid-twenties. in terms of ability and mind, I think mm. Harrison is, is much younger. Yeah, mm. it's it's yeah. about... They kind of like have to graduate to independent living. That's the goal yeah. for them and their families. Mm. And so the setup here is that all three families have chipped in to help them rent this apartment, to set them up to live independent lives as all of their parents are getting older. In the case of Violet, she's working as a sandwich artist and she is supported by Mandy and also by her brother Van. They lost their parents. It's never really clear how long ago, but Van feels great responsibility for her. She's younger than her years as well. She is desperate for what she calls to be normal. She wants a boyfriend and she's very interested in anyone that pays her a compliment she's immediately latches on to and is very warm and engaging with them one of the sequences is she's she goes unbeknownst to van and unbeknownst to mandy on a dating app and secures a date and the date leaves her and she's just sat in the restaurant assuming he's on his way back at any moment jack discovers that his elderly father played brilliantly by Joe Montaigne of The Simpsons, that Tony himself, is is dying. Been in other and... things, Luke. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Um, <laughs> is uh, is dying of cancer, and that is really heartbreaking. I've written a piece on this on the website. If I had been sensible and watched The Gilded Age first and not left that to this morning, I would have finished all of this. Sitting here now, I have seen six of the eight episodes. Jason Catums is no stranger to dealing with this story. He did it in another series on NBC, Parenthood. One of the main characters in there is diagnosed with autism and it's about the family navigating what that means to them and for him going forward. And with this, 
he wanted to do it more authentically so not only do the three stars see themselves or view themselves on the spectrum but he's also got people in the writer's room putting their ideas he, his son is autistic yes yeah he's son is he autistic said that's where the well. original inspiration came yes from. this felt very authentic for me personally a lot of it hit very close to home it does the tear-jerking things really well. It remembers that these are people mm. trying to put themselves out in a world that that isn't ready to completely accept them. How far are you? I'm in? three episodes in. Okay. Oh, it that's really interesting. So we all we all knew that we could just watch one, but we've all watched more. I'm on yeah, episode that, that, five. I really wasn't sure what I felt about this at first. Oh yeah. It's a Same. it's a real it's a really odd feeling that I didn't dislike it at all. But there was something that was missing for me a little bit. I absolutely loved the three performances, and I love yes. those characters straight away. But I think it's something in the storytelling, and I know that he's come, as you mentioned, sort of things like parenthood and about a boy and things like that. They, it seems to have that sort of sheen to it in its extent. There's, there's a little bit of melodrama, mainly with the other characters, Mandy, Van, their yeah. partners... I love the bits where it focused on the three main characters. I think there's that authenticity. Um, Albert Rutecki, who plays Harrison, has not been, has not done anything before. No, No, he's, he's, he's new. He, he, his character, as you say, is very sort of childlike and innocent. And as it goes on, there's this relationship with this young lad who lives upstairs. Violet, as you say, she's the only one who's got acting experience. and, And her, thing here is is you know you say she wants the boyfriend there's a boy acting class that likes her and 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 that's the story there she's the most interesting in a way because the other two are for the most part happy with who they are and violet is very (laughs) much aware of who she is and the situation that she's in through no fault of her own and she is desperate to be like everybody else. Yeah. She's met two people who work with her at Arby's. She thinks the world of them may let her down. They don't go to her birthday party in a later episode. When Van's girlfriend eventually meets her, she latches onto her and she can see that she's a normal person. She wants to have a relationship with her. The guy who likes her in the drama club, she spurns him because she, he's Someone not normal. normal. And, yeah, because mm-hmm. she wants somebody normal and she, she can see... That he I isn't, think, unfortunately. I think that's a really interesting representation yes, of a, a woman with autism. Because yeah. when was the last time you saw a woman who'd got autism on TV, especially in a drama? Never. Probably never, exactly. So I think that's really interesting. I'm told that it presents differently in women. And because women are taught from a very young age to be more social, she's probably internalized a lot of that and then seen all of this stuff on instagram that she aspires to that every teenage girl aspires to but it plays differently in her mind because she's on the spectrum in but when but, when but when she does lose it and then she's she absolutely sex obsessed as well and she knows yeah. everything that she wants out of life and yeah. i just completely respect that and i love the way that that is just um things that any any sort of young woman teenage girl could yeah. completely understand but what i appreciated is that I know, Matt, you said you had issues with the side characters and we can talk about that. But what I appreciated is nobody's demonised here. So Van no. loves his sister so much he feels... He felt responsibility for her anyway, being his younger sister. But he feels it ten times more because 
of the conditions she suffers with and, and what she goes through in life. He wants to keep her separate from mm. his life, which means that he ends up being very secretive and running out on girlfriends and stuff. But he doesn't want to, for lack of a better phrase, he doesn't want to burden anyone else in his he, life. He decompartmentalizes, doesn't yes. he? That's what the, yeah. the girlfriend That's says what to him the the says. There's a sequence much, much later on, as I say, of scene six. You go back to Harrison's family life. Oh, and I love com- that. And I hate comes it at the from, same time. He comes from a really wealthy family with a younger sister who's going off to college and you see that he's come from this really warm place and they take Mandy aside and they say, please don't judge us. We're 60. We want to move away from LA when the, when our daughter graduates. We'd like you to stay with Harrison in LA. We, we know you'll judge us, but we just feel now it's time for time for us. We've been talking about it a lot. We don't know whether to take Harrison with us. We've talked about it, but he's so happy with you and his roommates. I hope you don't... And that's such a heartbreaking sequence. And you understand entirely what the parents are saying. And you understand the burden on Mandy. And you understand that Harrison has no clue that he's going to be losing this family home. And there's a wonderful sequence where the sister's sitting with him in the new car she owns. And she's saying... I've got this because I'm going off to San Diego and, you know, that means I won't be living here anymore, but I've got it. And so you can, can visit see him working out how far you San Diego is. Yeah, how far is it? I know the zoo's there, yeah, but I won't be living at the zoo. I'll be So everything about it, for me, just worked perfectly and I loved how nobody's a bad guy and everybody's got good intentions and they've got a desire to live the life they want. But I loved how it didn't tip over at any point into inspiration porn. No, no. That, see that would have been an the, instant the, the nearest thing yeah. was was Harrison getting to the the bakery at the end. That was the nearest. Yeah. If it had gone into Hallmark card territory at any point, I would have turned it off. Yes, because exactly. I, d- I don't need that. It didn't get that point for me, but I think it didn't have that. I I know I didn't really have that connect that you two clearly have got to this show maybe i need to go a little bit further i would urge you to if you've got mm, the time and i like it it's an easy watch those three performances are excellent the characters i really like but i did i didn't have that i still haven't got that emotional attachment to it i'm not quite sure why it might just it's clearly just me (laughs) i think some of the storytelling perhaps is lacking the characters are there but some of the stories for me Um, were lacking and i i I didn't really what, find... Can you remind me what happens in episode three? Because as you know, when you go on and you do yeah, your own it's big the, it's, it's the one with the drama club. It's the one where the girlfriend meets Violet for the first time. And and reading the interviews with the, the three actors as well, I, I found really interesting. Rick Glassman, who plays Jack, has only recently been diagnosed. He's in his 30s and he's only yeah. recently been and diagnosed. He's a, he's a stand-up he's comic. He's a stand-up comic. And That's he really... said something like, you know... He's he got didn't... some amazing timing, to be fair. He's got amazing timing in this. I, and I like their their relationship. I like that scene where the three of them are watching a porn film together yeah, on the completely sofa. Completely nonplussed about it, yeah. Mm, I'd like to see more of the three of them together. And I think that yes. maybe that it lacks that a little bit. They're all, they've got their own separate storylines. For me, that wouldn't feel authentic because Why not? Thing, it, because they're not, they've got no connect because they've got different, they're, they're on different mm. places in the spectrum. 
they they've no real interest in one another. No. So that, that but they still li- they do still live together though. Yes, so but you only do... through it's only through convenience. They're only living there because mm. their families. No, are I get that. They don't really actually... like each other. But it's not friends. Yeah, it's not. No. I like going to hang out. I really liked how they were like the real rounded people. There was a depth to them. Like yeah. Jack is just rude. I don't think he's rude because he is autistic. I think he's just rude and he kind of revels in that. Did, and you know, you got to the part where Jack and Fat Tony <laughs> go <laughs> over to uh, his sister and uh, yeah. cousin's place. Yeah, that, even that I found really moving. The fact mm-hmm. that the, the brother and sister haven't really had much to do with it because Jack frightened her yeah. kids when they were really but, young so yeah. they kept separating. The thing is though I can kind of see myself in that because I've got yeah. anxiety and if someone did have a massive autistic meltdown in front of me I would be scared. I really like how you can empathise with the characters who mm. in a no- more normal show would be set up as the bad guys. There's like no bad guys like so AJ's mum saying that she's uncomfortable. She, well, I mean she says it in a horrible way but she's uncomfortable with well, Harrison would, having a friendship. If your 10-year-old mm. was having a relationship with a much older man, talking in a walkie-talkie, and so you don't know what they're saying, you would be uncomfortable. I don't, I don't think and it's I think unreasonable. It's, we haven't mentioned he's overweight as well. He's quite a hulking character. So physically as well as mentally... He, it looks like you won't, you wouldn't want him to have that relationship because he, he looks weird. He's oh. a gentle giant, yeah, but he does, he is very. Whereas if it was Jack, perhaps it wouldn't be that, you know, because he looks more stereotypical. It would still worry you, but you know, I think it's it, it being Harrison as well. I didn't really sort of feel what I think I should have been feeling. If that makes sense. That's interesting. I, 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 I didn't. Wasn't... I didn't I think we might have diagnosed your psychological Yeah, I think we may have. Yeah. I think we may have. <laughs> but like, because you know... this didn't do the tradition. You know, on this is, I know you didn't see a lot of This Is Us, you nor know. did I, but it didn't have those This Is Us, we all learned something today moments, mm. which I am mm. av- av- adverse to. And I don't want TV to teach me something. I want something, I want to learn through watching rather than, oh, that's the lesson of the episode. Yeah, I want to get deeply involved in lives that I don't understand and I don't that's know. Why I wa- that's why I watch television, really. Yeah, exactly. To get involved in lives that I would otherwise not... Because I'm fully nosy and I want to find out what life is like for yeah. you. Tell me. And nobody, nobody is better placed than these people to tell their story and I think it was just expertly handled and i think matt has got a swinging brick where his heart well, i don't think i have because we've spoken <laughs> about things that have made me cry before so <laughs> i would urge you to go on I, obviously i have watched three already and it was only you started yeah. on friday and we recorded on sunday yeah. and i had to watch the gilded age as well show's <laughs> <laughs> got so much yeah. blood support. but honestly i don't know what it was i i didn't feel perhaps as emotionally connected as I should have done but yeah I love the performances I really like the three characters uh, I'll, I'll continue Please with it do. and see where Please it goes do, yeah, it, does yeah. something, it does special things mm. and also I think what it what it also does is I really was invested as it carried on through, with Mandy because she's stuck she did this as mm. almost a favour she wants to move on with her life and go to medical school she can't because she's now so embedded in the lives of these three young people she's actually younger than them but she can't move forward in her life and the parents of these kids are just so grateful to have found someone like her they don't want to lose her 
You know, she can talk yeah. just Good. as well to Jack as she can with Harrison. She's just so warm, and I want her in my life, and it's mm. not fair. She's endlessly patient, isn't she, in a way yeah. that could never be. So she yeah. she is the inspiration in this for, for very... how people should try and make the world a warmer, more welcoming place for people who have she, autism. It never feels not, she we never shouldn't feels change subtle. them. We need to change the world around them to make them well, that, you know, feel safe and happy. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. That's no, I know, but like it, this are, are it's a great way for me to learn what I should be doing as a as a nice, normal, responsible person. You know, well, I, then send I help... me those crisps and chocolate is all <laughs> I'd say. This is on Amazon. I've tweeted about it endlessly. Nobody's really engaged. I don't think it's going to find a massive audience. The reviews I've seen sub- subsequently. It's in such America a shame that it's on Amazon. It. it hasn't got a bigger platform. Yeah. I do have some of an idea. I always think it, about it second, not even second. I think about it third, fourth, or fifth if I want to watch something, and that's not right. I think there's several reasons it hasn't. A, it's not. If you go on Amazon.co.uk or .com, it's not that visible. And so B, hard to find. And B, their app on the TV. If you're lucky enough to have a smart TV with the app on, it really doesn't work as well as netflix does it's not as easy to find things mm. it, it's just not it's very clunky and i think from all we say about netflix it is very good at knowing you and pushing you to the right things that's how your brother and sister-in-law mm. found the Salisbury poisoning i'm sure if i didn't know as a telly geek myself that this was a thing on amazon i would not be aware of it because they don't shout about it they don't make it that known it would completely pass me by and it's a shame because it's a proper gem and it's only half hour it's joyous i loved it and i will tell everyone that i think will like it i will tell it about tell them about it because i don't think they'd know otherwise and it's such a shame for what it is i thought it was lovely and let me let us know matt if you do turn Mm, around if you do finish it that (laughs) is the podcast for this week You can find us on the website, which is getting such lovely response. I'm so proud of all the work that I've done, that other people have done, the the comments we've had this week uh, since we've been relaunched for a couple of weeks. It's looking wonderful and filling up nicely with tons of positive telly stuff. It's thecustardtv.com. You can also like us on Facebook, which I would really urge you to do as I have now started to use that platform more and more as it's become easier facebook.com forward slash the custard tv uh, we're on twitter at luke custard tv for me at matt tv bites for matt and at sarah hamstera for sarah what well, anything else you'd like to plug sarah while you're here the shows you might have missed this month i will be um talking about um on whynow.co.uk at the end of this month and hit me up on twitter um if yeah. you've got any things that you think i should be watching for next month I mean, if you're doing this as well as that, there shouldn't be anything you've missed. But there's so much TV out there, it is more than likely some things will slip through the net. So make sure you watch Sarah's timeline for when those drop on that site. Matt, it is always somewhat of a pleasure to have Switzerland on the podcast. Thanks again. Anything you'd like to plug? <laughs> Were you close on guessing the bloke from Keen from The Mass Singer? or Not at all. If you read my Twitter... I, I I said I I didn't recognise him when they took the hood off until they said lead <laughs> singer of Keen. 
Well, he used to have the long hair and he used to be a bit doughy and now he's slimmed down and he's cut his hair. And you've got me on something now. Sorry, they, I didn't they, mean this, to do this. This, this week, they all How did... How do I pull back? They all, they all <laughs> sang a... They all sang a song that was like a clue, and he sung Unwritten. And it was like, well, what's the what's the link there between that song and... and Go on, and I need to know now. I it was that apparently the they beat Natasha Bedingfield to the best breakthrough Brit ah, in 2005 at the Brit. Oh, my God. My life. I thought it was Daniel Bedingfield, because that would have made sense. Oh, <laughs> and a little bit like the podcast, you've got to get through this. We'll be back soon, or next week, that's how soon. For another Custom TV podcast. Thanks. Bye. 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 Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as. As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.